At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Run Line, VSIN's premier baseball betting show. With Adam Burke, here's Ben Wilson. Welcome back, and it is our number two of The Run Line from VSIN, the sports betting network. Back with Adam Burke, Ben Wilson on hand. We don't blame you if you're looking for something else to watch with the NBA playoffs, uh, a blowout right about now. Our show. Oh, no. I, I, <laughs> Make sure you're watching our show. No, no. I was saying, else. Elsewhere in the sports world, if you don't want to watch the NBA playoffs, because it's a blowout, if you don't want to watch the Sunday night baseball game where it's 11 nothing St. Louis Cardinals in the top of the sixth, watch us, okay? I, did, I phrased that poorly. Phrasing <laughs> is kind of an important thing sometimes, we didn't phrase it great. All I know is, I, I try my best to be real and not fake, Adam, but uh, I, we, we just discussed Kyle Wright. We're continuing on the, here, the theme, if you were just with us last segment. Real or fake? New segment, Adam Burke, talking about pitchers. Is he buying or selling it? There's all, it's just fancy ways of, of trying to you know, phrase the question, yay or nay on these pitchers uh, going forward. So we talked about Kyle Wright. He's a yay, a real one for Adam Burke. Adam, what about Martin Perez on a, a team nobody's really talking about because they're not any good, and their big one of their large uh, offseason acquisitions has barely even been on the field in, in John Gray and kind of questionable to give John Gray that kind of money to lead a pitching staff, but that's no, neither here nor there. Martin Perez putting up really good numbers so far, in his first six starts of 2022, his team isn't any good, and that's why you see the one and two record. However, the stats uh, have been have been better than that. Yeah, Martin Perez now two and two gave up a run on five hits today, struck out seven, walked a couple against the Red Sox. I didn't plan this for two guys to start here today, but a uh, happy accident just kind of worked out that that's way. How much of a professional you are? <laughs> yeah, you just you, you you knew what you were doing. I did. You can. I knew it. it was it was by design. But look, Martin Perez now with a 2.01 ERA, and and this is a guy I thought it was really important to bring him up because. He's a guy that, generally speaking, the market bets against because his career numbers are not particularly good. From 2018 to 2021, a 515 ERA with a 495 FIP. So he was a well below average pitcher from 2018 to 2021. So what's been the difference this year? Well, again, I just talked about with Kyle Wright, throwing a lot more curveballs, not throwing as many four-seam fastballs. Last season, against Martin Perez's cutter, Opposing batters hit 331 with a 549 slugging percentage, and he threw the cutter 28.9% of the time. This season, cutter usage is down to 19%, more sinkers, more changeups, much more effective pitcher. Now, it does help for Perez that the ball is dead because he's not a big strikeout guy, although he did have seven here today. But so far this season, his strikeout percentage is up, his walk rate is down, his numbers look really, really good. I don't want to buy this one yet just because I don't love pitch to contact guys, but given the current run environment that we're seeing, 
given the fact that he has made some arsenal changes where, you know, the last three years, his cutter was his most popular mm-hmm. pitch to use. No longer is. This is another scenario where a pitcher has changed how he's attacking hitters, and we're seeing the results. We're seeing the positive growth that he's made. So I think to a degree, Martin Perez can keep some of this up. Now, he will have an awful start, probably a Carlos Rodon-esque start where he gives up eight runs in three innings, something like that. It'll kind of normalize his numbers a little bit. But he's not toxic to me anymore, and he used to be. So I think that says a lot about the changes that he's made and the potential that we have for actually betting on him this season. No, I, look, I like what you're saying, and it's it's something too where people just assign like there's a you know a, a sort of thought on a pitcher in general when he's who's, when he's had a long career and he's put up a lot of numbers that aren't necessarily great, and he's pitching on a bad team. It's a great elixir for betters to just say, oh, that guy, bad team. Let me just bet against him. But I like how you make the point, uh, thinking maybe otherwise. Uh, the third guy on here is. It's very interesting because we've just talked about two pitchers who traditionally have not been very good, who are off to great starts. This is kind of the opposite here. Jose Barrios, who now in two starts in the month of May, uh, Adam, 10 combined innings pitched, 11 earned runs on 13 hits. And we sort of thought, all right, we, we wrote off that opening day start. We only got one out, gave up four runs as if to say, look, it's, you're coming up off a shortened spring training. That, that'll happen to certain guys. But this has to be somewhat concerning to you now, right? A guy who's at two and two on the season near uh, near six ERA here in Barrios. Yeah, and for Jose Barrios, he'll pitch again. I believe I just looked. It's on Tuesday against Seattle at home. So that'll be his next start. So we'll see what he ends up doing there. But Jose Barrios is a guy from 2018 to 2021, 371 ERA, 378 FIP, strikeout percentage of almost 25%. Those are really solid numbers, particularly when you include that 2019 season where we had the juiced baseball. And he actually made some strides. He gained some velocity. That's what the Twins are really good at. They're good at developing velocity with their pitchers. He kind of became a little bit more of a swing and miss guy than I expected him to be. Well, this season, 582 ERA, 515 FIP. The strikeout percentage is down to around 15%. The walk rate is still low. But when you look at the contact quality against for Jose Barrios, and this is the really concerning thing for me, he's in the 13th percentile in average exit velocity and 12th percentile in hard hit percentage. So basically... We could say he's a bottom 15% starting pitcher this year in terms of contact quality against. So he's not locating well. And we can see that with the 582 ERA. The thing for Barrios here is he's throwing more of his four-seam fastball and it's getting absolutely nuked in almost all of his starts. That's a bad adjustment by the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, will they make an adjustment and pivot throughout the course of the season? Possibly. So what I do with a guy like this is I look at Barrios, who was... His most primary pitch last year was the curveball. Then it was the sinker. Then it was the four-seam fastball. If he changes his arsenal back, if I start to see some signs of that, my opinion of him will change. Until that takes place, I will look to fade him. Either team total over for the other side, in this case the Mariners on Tuesday, fading the Blue Jays in that game on Tuesday, something like that, because Barrios has shown me no indicators that he's going to change how he's attacking hitters and that he's going to have any more command. So for right now, Barrios is a guy where I think how bad he is is real. So I think it's fake maybe what we've seen with his previous numbers here over the last few seasons. Breaking news. Adam Burke calling Jose Barrios. Fake. Put it on the vcin.com scroll uh, here. And if you're wondering what is a 12th percentile uh, contact rate look like, 13% uh, is his barrel rate, 49% hard hit rate. I mean, those are... Oh, those are, I mean, if you're those a hitter, are, those, those are, are like those numbers. are like MVP caliber numbers. If you're a hitter, 
uh, for pitcher, that's like, you're lucky to even be in a rotation if you if you weren't a big name. So and, kind and of that, a problem. And the one thing I will say, potentially in his favor, he's faced the Yankees twice. He's faced Houston. He actually pitched pretty well against Houston, oddly enough. But you know, some teams just make a lot more hard contact than others. You know, the Yankees are a team that leads the league in hard hit percentage, and and that's largely because of Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. There are some outliers when you face the Yankees because they make so much hard contact. But also, he got beat up by the Guardians, who they put a lot of balls in play, but they don't make a ton of hard contact. He lasted a third of an inning against Texas on opening day. He's also faced some offenses that I don't necessarily believe in, and he struggled against them, too. So, yeah, he's faced some big-name teams and some high-priced, high-powered offenses. But at the same time, you know, he's not locating. There are other guys that have mm-hmm. faced good teams. Eduardo Rodriguez has faced a bunch of good offenses. His ERA is under four. So Barrios is just not locating, and, and I don't know if there's a stopping point for that right now. You don't, you don't have to keep explaining it. You called him fake. I, that's true. It's, it's, it's a, true. You laid out I the need, case. I need like a five-hour show. That's my problem. I, I know. But it, look, you, you wanted to, you, you know, you don't want the backlash. You wanted to explain your position because you're it's a true. man of character. We, we appreciate <laughs> it. So to recap, Kyle Wright, real. Martin Perez, real. Jose Barrios, not. At least according to you, Adam. Uh, we, so we have real or fake. We do all sorts of fun segments on this show. We have batter up or sit him down. And we talked about this a little bit in the past, Adam. Looking at some of these trends now that, are, that have been prevalent throughout the first... At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This month plus of the season and whether we are following those trends going forward, the Dodgers run line trend has been certainly one that has gotten a lot of uh, discussion. And we wanted to do this just because yeah, we we're we're on, we're on the Twitter machine, Adam. We see what happens when in the for, in the daily discourse of MLB betting, and there's a lot of laziness out there with the sense of ah, oh, like Dodgers, they want on the run line again. Just just keep following it, and we, we want to get down to the nitty gritty and break down. Okay, is that a really is that a truly profitable strategy? It might be in some cases. Dodgers have won 20 games this year, Adam. All 20 wins have been on the run line. They've only played two one run games, and that was coming into today. Today was the first. It's ironic we have this graphic. Today was the first non-run line win as they win in walk-off fashion by one against the Phillies. Until today, uh, all 20 of their wins had been on the run line. And like tomorrow, against Madison Bumgarner, they're a massive favorite. Minus a 225 opener and about minus 105 with Tony Gonsolin on the run line. You've, I know you've touched on this a little bit in the past, but uh, I'm, I'm going to guess you're going to go sit them down on this, this trend here, Adam, with just the blind run line betting here on the Dodgers. Yeah, definitely go sit them down. I mean, look, they're outscoring teams coming into today by 2.2 runs per game. That's uh, probably a little bit high, despite how good this team is. Teams typically play about 25% or so of their games with a one-run final score, uh, whether that means they win it or lose it. So obviously the Dodgers, having only played three of them here to this point, over 33 games is uh, 
probably not sustainable, I would say. You're going to go out on a limb and say that's not sustainable. Say, I, yeah. I think I would agree with you as well. Pretty, pretty thick limb. Uh, <laughs> that's interesting. We'll talk about, uh, is in our final segment, as we always do, matchups for tomorrow, but the Bumgarner-Gonsolin matchup is it's kind of an interesting one. I'm, I get why you know, the Dodgers are always going to be massive favorites, especially at home against teams like the Diamondbacks, but I'm a little surprised to see it uh, that high, that line. We'll, we'll get into that later in the show. Uh, the other trend here is the Astros, who... Look, the Angels have gotten all the talk in the AOS, but the Astros have matched them blow for blow. Those two teams, two of the best in the AL, tied atop the AOS, and it's partly been because of pitching. Justin Verlander, now your Cy Young favorite at 6-1 to in the AL. Astros to the under this year, Adam, have been tremendous. 72% of their games have gone under. Uh, you look at the at, at the graphic, 9-24. I, I mean, 24 games going under here. Is this something that will continue, given we normally view the Astros as not only a good pitching team, but also a really good hitting team as well? Well, depending on the number you got today, if you got 8.5 under early, you were a winner. They won 8 nothing today, so most people pushing on that one. I'm writing a piece this week for Point Spread Weekly about pitching coaches and how they're essentially like the defensive coordinators of baseball, and I think it's going to be a really, really interesting read. But one of the things that Brent Strom took with him to Arizona, and he was formerly Houston's pitching coach, he said that the team needs to throw more up-in-the-zone fastballs. He calls them top-shelf fastballs. Houston's the best team in baseball at doing that. And in this run environment where the ball is not carrying, if you're inducing a lot of weak fly ball contact, you're going to have a really good pitching staff. That's what the Astros are doing. The thing that makes me worry about this is if their offense ever wakes up. But I think their pitching will continue to be very, very good as the season goes along. But I'd say batter up with this one. Batter up. Let's go. You would think uh, on, on the hitting side, things would get a little bit better. I'm just looking up their WRC Plus uh, right now. Like, do we really expect you? I mean, they're, they're fourth in WRC Plus. Hasn't really translated. All I know is that was our last segment. We've got more on the run line. Coming your way next here on v found VEASAN's Premier Baseball Betting Show. This is The Run Line. Back on our second and final hour of The Run Line from VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. We're going to get into our NL Central breakdown in just a moment because we've got uh, one of those teams on Sunday Night Baseball right now in the St. Louis Cardinals all over the Giants, 11-2. One little addendum from our last segment. We talked about those Astros unders. 24-9 uh, to the under, not reversed like, like I said. I'm, I'm just an idiot, Adam. I'm I don't know how numbers or math works, which is kind of an issue when you're you're trying to talk about uh, baseball. But the Astros have been great to the under. I know you were doing a little more of a deep dive, too, in the break as well. Trying to figure out, because I said, look, fourth in WRC+, plus that even ticked up. I believe they're now third after today. Like, why are they not producing more on, on offense, even though the underlying numbers suggest they, they certainly should be? Yeah, they've made a lot of good contact quality, too. They're a top 10 offense and hard hit percentage. They have the lowest ground ball rate in baseball by 1.7%. So this is a team that came into the year with the expectation of elevating the baseball, of hitting for a high slugging percentage, and then the baseball changed, which it's unbelievable this happens year in and year out. But you know they're a team hitting a lot of fly balls, hitting a lot of line drives in a year where there's not as much carry. So offensively, you look at their profile, they should be much better than they are in terms of their contact quality, their batted ball types, all of that. I think as it warms up, and we'll see what they do with that retractable roof down there at the juice box, Minute Maid Park, where I think offensively they could really take off as we go forward here as it warms up a little bit. So they'll still end up pitching really well, I think. I don't think that'll be a problem for them, but the offense could take off. They could end up being a team a la the Dodgers where, where maybe taking some of that run line action could be 
fairly profitable as we go forward. That, that, that's interesting. Yeah. And we'll be curious to see how that unfolds. Speaking of the baseball here, not to go down conspiracy theory Avenue, let's but, do it, let, but let's do but it, but not to do that. And then we're going to do it. Yeah. So the Sunday night baseball game, it's 11 to Cardinals. There have been some absolute moonshots hit tonight, bottom of the six and the Cardinals are threatening for more uh, two on with one out and Albert Pujols in a three, one count. You have noticed there is, there is somewhat of a pseudo conspiracy theory among the baseball nerd community that you are a willing participant in Adam, that while the yet with the major league baseball powers that be have certainly changed the ball and it's essentially a dead ball this year. They maybe are not doing that on the games that the national audiences are watching like Sunday night baseball. Yeah. I was kind of hoping during the break to find an update on this, but I remember seeing a tweet not that long ago regarding the average score on Sunday night baseball and just how high it was. I mean, look, you think about the one game that we were doing where it was uh, Eric Lauer and is it Aaron Nola, Kyle yeah. Gibson, somebody like that, where there were just like 25 strikeouts. That was the, the, that, was the that was the great umpire uh, game as well, where the yes. Lauer got like four strikeouts on, on pitches that combined, I think, at 36 inches outside the zone or something. Right, yeah. and that's the only game I can really think of in terms of Sunday Night Baseball that has been as and, low scoring as most And of the, other games. the game that you and I had the in-game team total over on the Padres where – Mr. Mustache, who his name I don't even remember, Spencer came in. Spencer Strider. Yeah. Yeah. Came in right. and threw four and a third hitless innings in a three nothing game. So. But there, there is a conspiracy theory circling out there. And if you look at the average run scored per game on Sunday Night Baseball, it may hold okay. some water, I guess. But I mean, we've got 13 runs in, you know, five and a half innings here in this one. And, uh, it's it's kind of gaining some steam. And some people are kind of out there on Twitter right now saying, look, this game's not going to do much to uh, you know, spoil yeah. that conspiracy theory. So it it may be a possibility, especially, too, when you consider the fact that, I mean, obviously the Cardinals are good against lefties as it's now 13-2. to two. Uh, They're good against lefties, but it was Carlos Rodon. I mean, not your average run-of-the-mill lefty right. in a park that's really good for pitchers. It it might be a thing. I mean, I, I don't know if the sportsbooks are going to adjust those Sunday Night Baseball totals up a little bit. Uh, this one was seven, you know, pretty much flat across the board. Uh, but you know we've we've more than doubled the total right. for this game uh, tonight. Yeah, Andrew Kinzer, a two two run base hit there. Always, it's interesting though. I it, it I I need a lot to be convinced on the whole conspiracy theory angle. But you know we've planted the seed. Uh, and speaking of the Cardinals now, who are rolling in this game, they'll they'll end up winning the series. Uh, we've talked about the Brewers. You believe they are a negative regression candidate. But probably the real question is, we've talked about a different division each week. We get now to the NL Central here for the first time on this show. We, we've kind of gone in depth on just the, the just the hilarity of both the Reds and the Pirates, who are not going to be obviously contenders in this division. But the questions remain here: like, do, are you in, of the belief, first off, that this is solely now a two-team race, Adam? And if so, do you give the Cardinals a puncher's chance here at uh, plus two thirty, plus two thirty-five or so, depending on the shop? You know, it, it definitely is a, a two-team race. Absolutely, I don't think there's any question about that. I think the problem for the Cardinals is going to be. Exactly what I talked about, you know, when we kind of started opening up the show, talking about Sunday Night Baseball, is they're not good against above-average right-handed starters. You know, they've they've won some games against right-handed starters. I mean, look, they're 15 and 12 when a righty starts on the other side. But a lot of that has been, they've been the better team in close games getting to their team's bullpen. A lot of times, the right-handed starter will shut them down. When you look at the 19 head-to-head meetings with the Brewers, how many times do they run into Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Versus, you know, maybe running into Eric Lauer or or an Aaron Ashby if there are injuries that pop up or something like that. You know, to me, I think it's one of those scenarios where they're not going to match up all that well against the Milwaukee Brewers throughout the course of the year. So, to me, I think it's the head-to-head games 
that will ultimately end up deciding this division where the Brewers should have an upper hand in those. Yeah, it, it, no, it's interesting too. And you just think about for for Milwaukee, and I know we you know, we just did the whole regression report on the negative. Most of that was focused on on the hitting side, but you mentioned Lauer and Ashby, who are are two guys that at least in that organization, and David Stearns, who's a very analytical, heavy GM there. We're seeing their odds, as you just saw on your screen, up to minus 330. A team with a you know, preseason win total in the high 80s, expected at, certainly on pace to go over that based on what we've seen. But Eric Lauer and, and Aaron Ashby, two guys who were anticipated to, to kind of follow in the mold of what we saw out of a Brandon Woodruff and a Corbin Burns. Maybe not to the degree expected right away of Cy Young caliber, but these are guys who big things were expected out of. Ashby has been really rough, even though... I mean, he, he gave up a ton of soft contact uh, against Atlanta that just kind of one of those games where a whole lot of bleeding little seeing-eye singles and and whatnot. Lowers had some moments. You talked about the Sunday night game where he struck out 11 Phillies and was was great. Uh, he was uh, touched up in his last outing. What do you make of, of those two guys who are certainly following the path of, all right, th- these are guys who should fit a profile of really, really good analytic guys, but so far the success has just not followed. And as a result, you have a Brewer rotation that, for the most part, has been a little weaker than maybe anticipated. Yeah, a little weaker. I, I'm not necessarily worried about Brandon Woodruff. I think Brandon Woodruff is just so good. The arsenal is so good. He can throw all of his pitches for strikes, get swings and misses with all of them. We know how good Corbin Burns is. The, the concerning thing for me with Freddie Peralta is, does he stay healthy? You know, Because he's a guy that they put the kid gloves on for a while, then now they kind of let him go last year. Is he able to you know sustain what he did? I think in due time, you know, Ashby winds up being good. Uh, I think Lauer, I think what they're doing with him appears to be pretty legit. Maybe we'll talk about him uh, in the real or fake segment either next week or I or think that would be a good weeks. idea. Yeah. But, you know, look, for them, I, I think a lot of it sort of depends on bullpen health. You know, if they ever lost Josh Hader, it would be a massive, massive blow for them, yeah. especially because Devin Williams hasn't been super good. One thing that's really interesting here, and uh, this doesn't take into account today's game against the Marlins, but. In the 20 road games going into today that the Brewers played, 177 total runs. They've been outscored by 17 runs on the road. They've given up 97 Oof. runs in 20 road games. They've given up 43 runs in 14 home games. So, first of all, I think it's really strange that they've scored 84 runs in 14 home games and only 80 runs in 20 road games. So that's very awkward. But also how dominant their pitching has been at home, I think, is, is a pretty interesting thing. Now, I, I don't really know what the rhyme or reason is behind that. Uh, you know, obviously being a retractable roof venue, you know, the humidor could kind of play in different ways based on if the roof is open or not. But those are some uh, some stark home yeah. road splits as a team here so far. Clearly the name change to American Family. I, I think so too. We just got to, we got to start, have to, yeah. have to start calling it the keg again. I agree. I, I maybe, maybe instead of the, like, you know how they had the Vegas flu here with the Golden Knights? Maybe you go to Milwaukee with just all that beer around. You know, the, the, the road teams are... Uh, the, the Milwaukee Malays? <laughs> the Milwaukee Malays. The haven of kraut, as as it were, which doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well as the Milwaukee Malays. But it, I, don't, I don't know. I see where you're going, though. I, I, just, I see I where you're going. I mean, it's unbelievable to me that I, they've scored more runs at home in, yeah. in six fewer games, and then their pitching has just been so incredibly different between home and road. I am actually submitting a request right now, just for the record. Eric Lauer, I want him to be on your real or fake um, next week, even though I won't be here. Because okay. guy is a ninety-one percent strand rate so far at three and one two sixty ERA was had been really really good until took the loss uh, over the weekend against the Marlins where he got where he got hit hard and he's giving up a lot of hard contact forty four percent I just want like 
He's a guy who I wasn't impressed with when they first brought him over, but has been awesome to start the year. And then he's had a couple a couple hiccups, and I, I just wonder, is that kind of inevitable with him? So consider this my public request. And please tweet at Skating Tripods if you have any other real or fake suggestions for, yeah. for this guy. I mean, keep, keep the pictures PG-13, please. But, you know, in okay. terms of the, the pictures okay. that you want requests on. Yeah. Okay. That, that That's a fair that's a fair statement. Uh, Cut and Brewers, 93.5 is their in-season win total, 89.5 preseason. Uh, so Cubs, you're not you're 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 out on. I know you took a flyer on them preseason just to have a yeah. piece. Thirty-five to one now to win the Central. Very very disappointed with the with the Chicago Cubs. I, tried I expected to warn the you. offense to be better, and I expected the bullpen to be a lot better. Tried to they, warn they've you. had a lot of issues here. Hasn't worked. Hey, Suzuki, fun, but it's yeah. one play it doesn't really move the needle. So unfortunately, that is the case. Uh, we still have a lot to get to in our final half hour of the show. We've got a Adam Saber metrics stat of the week. We're gonna have some fun with that. Uh, we will we will talk as well about the Monday card. Some really interesting matchups too. Uh, let us know. Hit up Adam on Twitter, Skating Tripods. If you have any burning questions you want him to answer before we go off the air, we still have a couple more segments coming your way after this here on the Run Line. You found Visa's Premier Baseball Betting Show. This is the Run Line. Ball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 plus only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. We're back. Final two segments on the run line along with Adam Burke. I'm Ben Wilson. We, uh, in studio, are watching a number of uncompetitive sporting events right now. Uh, Adam, NBA playoffs. My Phoenix Suns to win the West ticket is uh, is officially drawing dead. They're only down 40 with five minutes left in a Game 7 at home, Adam. I don't, I don't know that they have a great chance at coming back. No, it's not a great look. We do have drag racing up <laughs> we there. We have drag Three, racing. Those have been pretty competitive. Cardinals 13, Giants 2. And we had an interesting discussion off air where you were of the thought. We're starting to see more teams now utilize position players in blowouts as a means of protecting their own stabs. Giants go to Coors this week. You're down 13 to two. You got to get six more outs with this. And it's going to the bottom of the seventh right now. Would this not make as much sense as ever for Gabe Kapler to go the position player route right now? Do you, do you expect we'll see that here? I do. I think there's a really good chance that we see that again. I mean, you know, you're, you're probably going to need your bullpen at Coors Field. You know, it's just the, the nature of the beast when you play there. And also too. I mean, one of your aces just pitched today in Carlos Rodon, so you won't have him for this series here against the Rockies, a guy that you would, you know, kind of expect some degree of reliability from. So, yeah, I mean, I I would think, you know, if I'm Gabe Kapler, I I certainly give some thought to a position Mm -hmm. player. And it's not even just necessarily to to sort of save the bullpen, but it's also kind of like a, you know what, today didn't go well. Let's kind of have a laugh out of it. You know, let's let's kind of make things a little bit lighthearted. You send out a position player, you hope he works a one, two, three inning. You hope he doesn't get beaten up too badly. Uh, you know, just sort of something where when you get on the flight to Denver, you kind of joke about that, you know? So yeah, I think there's a realistic possibility we do see one here in the eighth inning. And, and you had an interesting live betting angle that you heard from a regular guest here, Todd Wishnev, regular guest on Gill's Beating the Book right. podcast as well, uh, talking about position players and kind of the thought process that goes behind maybe live betting the total. Well I, well, I know Todd. Like Todd has no life. He's willing to admit that. <laughs> Him and I are tennis buddies, so I can, I can, I'm allowed to say it. But he will literally just monitor this. He'll monitor games every night, and if there is a, like, if there's a position player pitching, he's just going to go in and, you know, like depending on the number, 
His point on this is the algorithms don't account for on a on a live betting total position players. And I would have to think like, what well, you know, it would it would make a lot of sense. My only counter is just it, I get the sense just from a like just from a pure eye test uh, hypothetical standpoint here that we don't see we don't see maybe as many runs or or scores getting blown up the way you would imagine or expect because of now how many pitching how many non pitchers actually come into some of these games. I just pulled this up on baseball reference. Like the number of guys, number of non pitchers, position players who've come in and pitched this year and have not allowed a run is actually like Nick Gordon, Kai Tom, <laughs> like Jake Cronenworth has done it this year. Uh, somebody named, I don't even, I didn't know Tyler Heineman had, had done this this year, but Danny, I remember when Danny Mendick did this earlier this year. There, there are like a half dozen guys who've actually thrown scoreless innings. And it's maybe, I don't know what the overall numbers are. I'm sure they're not great because there are some guys who come in and get absolutely tattooed. But while I would think it's a good blind betting angle at him, I also wonder just in in a general sense, like you see it more often. Do these hitters just kind of say, all right, this is sort of a joke. Let's just all get out of here. And it might not end up being as profitable as you would maybe think. I don't know if I have any, I don't know if I'm onto anything there. It's just a thought I had from what, what I've at least, I've at least seen in some of these specific cases. Right. Well, I mean, next time you you play tennis with Todd, I'll okay, let him. You have to ask him about it. I'll but, ask him about it. But to be fair, too, like you know, for the Cardinals, right? You're up thirteen to two. You know, you're probably going to take a couple guys out of the game if you haven't already. Here, you got a flight to to New York City. You know, you got a flight to or that'd be LaGuardia to take on uh, the Mets tomorrow. You know, so do you really want to sit here and play another twenty minutes in a thirteen to two game? You know, so there's also that element to it too. You know, I mean, you just sort of are are you still engaged in the game? Are you going to take it seriously and actually hit this position player. And furthermore, too, I mean, some position players come out and they're throwing, you know, 70, and all their pitchers register as sliders or change-ups, according to, you know, um, yeah. the track man and all these <laughs> different types of things. Some guys can actually bring it a little bit because they pitched in high school or college or whatever else. So it's always a mixed bag, too. I mean, not all of these guys are absolutely awful. Most of them are probably going to be. But, you know, there's there's probably a pretty big discrepancy between – you know, certain position players going out there and throwing an inning. And some are throwing like 50, which I'm always right. a huge fan of watching. So and something to keep in mind uh, does not appear as though we have, you know, we're still, we're still in bullpen session right now for the Giants. 13-2 Cardinals there. We'll see if that happens uh, in the bottom of the seventh. Without further ado, though, time to get into Adam's sabermetric stat of the week. We are going to go to base runs this week, Adam. As always, we have a very beautifully fancy, schmancy graphic made by our producer, Brian Ortega. As you take us through the wide world of sabermetrics, and we're going into base runs, we're going to we're starting to go a little deeper. We started with the basic stuff. Now that you've got, you guys all have that down, let's go into base runs, Adam, and how we can apply that towards our daily betting here. So one of the things I've, I've been trying to do here with with this sabermetric stat is to make it something where you can kind of get out in front of the market a little bit, get out in front of some of these line moves, kind of isolate some of these situations where sharp, influential betters that set the market are looking at some of these things. And base runs can be one of them. Now, base runs is a alternate standings metric, which you can find over at Fangraphs.com. So the example that I always use is let's take six outcomes, right? Single, single, strikeout, home run, strikeout, strikeout, right? Six outcomes. Depending on how you sequence them, you can have anywhere between zero and three runs. So if you get the home run before you get the three strikeouts, you may get one, two, or three runs. If you get the three strikeouts before you get the home run, That would be zero runs. So what base runs effectively does is it removes all context. It takes all of the individual outcomes, throws them together in a hopper, puts them into a formula, and then spits out expected runs per game 
and expected runs allowed per game. Because as I talked about earlier on in the show, sequencing, performance with men in scoring position, all of that typically dictates the outcome of a game, dictates the outcome of how many runs you wind up scoring. If you go one for nine with men in scoring position, you might score one or two runs. If you go two for four, that's better than going one for nine in a lot of cases. So it's really all about that performance with men in scoring position. So what base runs does is it takes out that sequencing because the clutch factor, as much as we want to mm-hmm. believe in it, is not predictive. It's just good hitters are going to be good hitters most of the time. Bad hitters will be bad hitters most of the time. So base runs takes all of this context away and then puts together a run differential, which then uses Pythagorean win-loss, another alternate standings metric, to determine how lucky or unlucky a team has been. So, for example, the, the Atlanta Braves today, they go into today's game at 16 and 18, but according to base runs, they should be 19 and 15. So I look at something like that, and I think to myself, okay, this team probably has had some bad luck offensively with men in scoring position and some really bad luck defensively with men in scoring position against. So the Braves, the Marlins, the Red Sox, the Tigers, all teams whose base runs record is three games better than their actual record. On the flip side, the Padres, Rays, and White Sox, all teams whose actual win-loss record is three games better than what their base runs record is. So the reason why this is important, and this is over at Fangraphs under the standings tab, you can look at that, is because as we get deeper into the season and you have these teams that are overachieving based on these alternate standings metrics, you will see line moves on or against Mm -hmm. those teams just expecting team-wide regression to kind of take hold. So it's something that can help you get a lot of line value out there in the marketplace. Not fascinating. And what I like using it for too is looking at kind of in the same vein as the run differential, uh, the expected versus the the, mm-hmm. the actual uh, that you see on there. And like you mentioned, the Braves, that's the largest discrepancy. They're expected to have a you know twenty a plus twenty four run differential compared to what they actually are at so far. And so when you go from a negative to a positive, that automatically jumps out to me as all right. We're we're at least in the ballpark here of a team that should match that. Yeah, it's funny how like it matches with the Braves because we've talked about it all year. All right, defending World Series champions. They've got all the talent in the world. When is this going to pick up? But there are some other teams too that that it can kind of jump out and say, well, maybe the market, you know, we're we're kind of we're, we're at least for teams that are perceived to be bad, there are numbers that are very juicy that we feel like we can jump on. Diamondbacks are a great example. Who they they have a 19 differential. They should be how was it plus five, and they're at minus 14 right now. Again, this is all based on the. You know, the expected projections like you just laid out. But that's a team who we talked about earlier. They're going to be massive dogs all, all series against the Dodgers who are not playing very good baseball and, as we talked about, have struggled against those perceived bad teams this year. That's a really interesting team to me. And we'll obviously get into the full breakdowns for for Monday's slate in our, our next segment. But I, I wonder what your thoughts are on, on those teams who, it's not like the Braves where everybody can kind of see that coming, but the teams like the Diamondbacks or the Orioles who are, are should be 20 runs better than what they've actually been in. I know you're you're weirdly high on the Orioles for as bad as they've been so far. Those are two really interesting teams that the advanced numbers are higher on. And I don't think you're going to find many people in the market betting the Diamondbacks and Orioles on a daily basis. Just right. a hunch. No, absolutely. And, and the reason I want to bring this up this week is because the Braves and the Padres played each other. And in every game, the Braves took money. And they are teams, the Braves are minus three in base runs and the Padres are plus three. But real quick, to your point about the Marlins, they're 5-11 and 11 in one-run games. So they've yeah. lost a lot of close games that's why you get some of these discrepancies that are out there where those types of things should probably even out. Interestingly enough, the Marlins, 16 one-run games, the Dodgers, three. Let's see how tight that series ends up being. Very, very. Uh, Diamondback. Uh, 
Oh, Diamondbacks. My bad. Marlins, Diamondbacks. Marlins. It's all this. You get the idea. It's all, it's all, it's all baseball. We're going to talk about that game as well as the rest on our Monday slate right here from our Circus Sportsbook Studios in downtown Las Vegas. It's the run line wrapping up next. Since Premier Baseball Betting Show, this is the run line. Back on the run line for our final segment on this week's show with Adam Burke, Ben Wilson, Brian Ortega, our producer behind the glass. We're having a spirited discussion uh, in the break, Adam. Best baseball movie of all time, given that this Cardinal Giant game is not giving us much to watch. 14 2. In the bottom of the seventh, we got some hot takes, which maybe we'll save. If you have the Beeson Plus Plus subscription, which includes. Uh, Access to our <laughs> off-the-record, off-air conversations, which totally is a real thing that exists. You can, you can hear those hot takes. Uh, but we have a loaded slate, though, Adam, tomorrow on the baseball card. And I, guess, I we need to start with the game I've been thinking about. This, uh, this We just talked about the Diamondbacks, and I know you were looking at more one-run stats for them this year. Diamondbacks, Dodgers tomorrow. L.A. not playing great baseball. They lose back-to-back series to the Phillies at home after losing two of three in Pittsburgh. They are a 225. Actually, it's South Point. Our friends uh, on the other side of town in Las Vegas, minus 250. They open up uh, against Madison Bumgarner and the Diamondbacks uh, on this slate tomorrow. Basically, pick them if you want to lay the run line. Even pick them, uh, essentially, if you if you want to grab the run and a half with Arizona. Eight and a half total. Tony Gonsolin for the Dodgers. Am I crazy for thinking there's there's actually value to be had here on uh, on Mad Bum and the D-backs uh, in L.A. tomorrow? Man, I I don't know if crazy is the word. But uh, Madison Bumgarner here going into this start tomorrow, 178 ERA. That's good. 380 XERA. Okay. Yeah, okay. 471 FIP. He's got an 88% left on base percentage, a 205 batting average on balls and play against. Now, I look at both of those numbers for Bumgarner and expect regression to be coming. So, does it happen against the Dodgers? I think there's a very realistic possibility that it does. It will happen here against somebody because Bumgarner is just not missing bats. With that being said, one of the things that, again, I'm writing about in Point Spread Weekly this week, pitching coaches and, and how they're able to elevate and sort of reimagine their pitching staffs. Madison Bumgarner's got a, a pretty low barrel rate here, a pretty good hard hit percentage against. Seems like he's made some good adjustments. So I guess this will be a, a pretty big litmus test for him. Yeah, well, you think the 88% strand rate uh, probably, probably <laughs> is not going to stick around. Uh, yeah, when you have a sub six strikeout per nine rate and you're. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Walking three and a half batters per nine, that, you know, usually makes it tough. Four tens to poor things. But again, spot. And Dodgers have, have certainly been. I'm scuffling as of late, as we talked about at the open of the show, 
walk it off today in, a, in pretty spectacular fashion. We're down one with two out, nobody on, and end up coming back and, and winning that game uh, with the Gavin Lux two-run double. Just find it interesting. I mean, over could be over could be a play as well where you have a Tony Gonsolin. You don't expect him to go extremely deep after their bullpen did throw a lot of innings over the last few days. Well, and if nothing else, too, I mean, you know, you're talking about getting a plus one and a half on the Diamondbacks at minus 105, even money in that range. Maybe not the worst of ideas, especially with how the Dodgers are playing here of late, as you mentioned. And also, too, something we've talked about already is, you know, they've looked kind of lifeless, kind of bored in some of their games against yeah. really inferior competition. So, you know, maybe you kind of protect yourself a little bit there with the, the possibility of a one-run outcome. We, we talked last week about the Angels' potential uh, pitching regression, only to 48 hours later see Reed Detmers throw a no-hitter. So very on very yeah. on brand. Yeah, I know you were... Good, good sell it. Ortega, let's clip that one as a good yeah. Uh, yeah. advertisement for the show. I, exactly. Uh, but Noah Syndergaard pitches tomorrow. He's speaking of just ridiculous numbers so far. He have an 83% strand rate. Uh, and a pretty comical 6% home run fly ball rate. Again, baseballs are dead, so whatever. Uh, and a, like a guy who's got a nearly 4.0 XFIP to a 245 ERA. He goes in Texas. Not exactly a team you can get excited about wanting to bet on. <laughs> but it's interesting to see where the market goes here. Angels open about a $1.40 favorite in this spot. It's John Gray, who's had his struggles as well. The offseason acquisition for the Rangers. If nothing else, I just find it interesting just to, just to look at, a, at some of these pitchers now that we've isolated some of them and kind of figure out, all right, what spots does it make sense for that regression to happen? Is this a spot in Texas where it's been a great pitcher's park against an offense that has been very bad? Uh, total of eight. Do we see that regression coming in this start tomorrow for Syndergaard? Look, it's certainly a possibility. I mean, something that's important to kind of talk about with regression at this point in time, he's got a 245 ERA. So... More often than not, any stat line is going to raise his ERA. You know, if he gives yeah. up three runs over seven innings, it's, you know, 386 ERA. That's a pretty good start, but it's still going to bump up, you know, from where he's at with that 245. I think a couple of things for Syndergaard here, and, and really for the Angels in general, is you know, they're converting so many batted balls into outs. So the fact that Syndergaard is not getting the swing and miss, but the Angels are so much improved defensively this season because they've been really, really terrible over the last several years defensively. The fact that they're doing so much better here maybe lends to a little bit of sustainability for Syndergaard with that low BABIP, with that high strand rate, despite the low strikeout percentage. And also, too, for the Rangers, I just I keep waiting for the top of their order to get going. I keep waiting for, you know, Corey Seager's been okay here of late over the last couple of weeks, but, you know, Marcus Semien looks like he's just totally lost. He looks like he has no idea at the plate right now. Uh, Dolis Garcia hit a home run today. Maybe that'll kind of get him going. They've been putting Brad Miller or Cole Calhoun at the top of the order against righties. Neither one of those guys has performed well at all. So a lot of the additions that they made for this season just are not swinging the bat well. And until I see that take place relatively consistently, it's very hard for me to back the Rangers here. Right? Yeah, now. Uh, look, it's it, it's not an easy thing to do to want to jump in front of, A, the Angels train, mm -hmm. and, and B, backing a really bad uh, Rangers team. By the home. way, real quick, I should mention this, because Dan Zimborski, our, our guest today, yeah. talking about Taylor Ward. Taylor Ward's out there at 70-1 to 1 to win the MVP. Ooh. Now, I mean, he's I don't know how sustainable this early season surge is for him, and the idea of some guy named Taylor Ward winning the MVP on a team with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani is kind of outlandish. A little but outlandish. He is 70-1, to 1, is, is currently one of the best players in baseball thus far. I mean, the Dallas Mavericks being up 45 on the road in Game 7 would have well, sounded a little outlandish uh, two hours ago. But yeah, here, I mean, we just had 80-1 win the Kentucky Derby. We just had an 80-1 to win the Kentucky Derby. I mean, Who Washington, wasn't even supposed to be in the race, yeah. by the way. 
So, so you're, crazy things happen so in weird sports. Thing, okay. How about that? Weird, weird things have And I would argue, as an aside here, don't, don't you think Shohei Otani at this point, with, given, the, the, you know, given the values we've seen both as a hitter and a pitcher, a bet on him to win the Cy Young is, is a much wiser decision than to win MVP at, at this rate at 10 to 1, given how wide open that race appears to be. And given that his numbers are just insane on the pitching side, the way to talk about guys changing pitch arsenals. I mean, what he's done in raising his slider velocity, getting so many more swings and misses, 14 strikeouts per nine, career lows in, in, in the contact he's giving up, that, that would be a logical play for me, even though everybody wants to focus their attention on just betting him blindly to, to win another MVP, just solely because he's a dual threat option. Yeah, I mean, the reality of it is with Shohei Otani, he should win the MVP every year because nobody's oh, yeah. ever done this. Like, no, exactly. Nobody's ever been this good of a pitcher and also a productive hitter outside of Babe Ruth and and. Yeah, you know, it was obviously a much different game when Babe Ruth played, but Just what, what Otani's done is is insanity. For look, the, the thing about any Cy Young future is it, it comes down to health. You know, I mean, pitchers just get hurt at such a high rate that 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 would be your major concern. Otani is a guy who had the UCL trouble in the past, mm-hmm. but I mean, look what what he's doing, and as you said, you know, changing his arsenal, increased slider velocity, tons of swing and miss. The defense is better. The offense is really good. He has a chance to cover a lot, check a lot of the boxes, you know, of a, of a relatively diverse voting electorate with younger guys that understand the advanced stats, you know, now getting into positions to vote yeah. for these things. Oh, and I, you just wondered too, like, all right, you win an MVP, it's great. I, I would wonder if the voters now, especially given, will we see a dom, you know, the guy who's the favorite has some injury history of his own, Justin Verlander. Right. Will we see these vote? And that's also why I kind of hate doing these in general because it's you're handicapping voters, but which voters are going to look at this and say, well, he won MVP. He's done everything. He's been much better as a pitcher, more valuable to his team pitching than as a hitter this year. Why wouldn't we vote him for Cy Young? That would be my, my point. I mean, when nearly 60% of your pitches are either a called or a swinging strike, and you're just, I mean, you're just nasty on the mound. Outside of basically one start this year, he's been nearly untouchable. Imagine Long way to go. Imagine being that talented. Imagine. But like to be uh, basically a top 10 pitcher and, and probably a top 20 to 25 hitter. Like it's... Not bad. I, I don't. I don't even know how. To I would say, it. at least that would be where my bet is right now on on the side. That's all. That's, that's all I'm say. Uh, anything else before we get out of here that you are looking at on the card uh, tomorrow? I know we've got a couple of Sunday night baseball teams in action tomorrow after a game that's going to end very, very late. Uh, Fifteen to two as we speak here in the top of the eighth inning. Cardinals on top of the Giants. What I'm looking at a little bit here: Houston and Boston. This total is eight and a half, juice to the over. And hmm. I'm gonna have to look at the weather report in Boston see if it warms up a little bit. But you got Jake Odorizzi and Garrett Whitlock here. Generally speaking, being a fly ball pitcher at Fenway Park is not a good thing at all, which is what Jake Odorizzi would be tomorrow night. But with that being said, Boston is not hitting. The ball is not carrying. Fenway Park has been – Fenway Park was the course field of the East Coast. Not anymore. So mm. that's one where I'm kind of intrigued seeing that total as high as 8.5 with the overjuice. Yeah. I don't know if that's a context clue that's going to keep me off of that one, but – at first glance, that total looks a little bit high here for tomorrow. 80 degrees, uh, scattered storms, and humid tomorrow. Have to check the wind. Wind too. 15 miles an hour. In or out? It's it's. There's an arrow on my there's screen that points up, but I have no <laughs> idea what that means as 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 it relate, uh, relates to Fenway. Park. The arrow is pointing up on this show because I I think we've done a really good job <laughs> on this episode. And thank you. Know, you. I, uh, you do a great job. I, I enjoy this. I enjoy this a lot. It's been a blast. Uh, Josh Towers is going to be in out. here. Yes. We're going to have, it's going to be a fun battle. We got nerd 
versus former pitcher Josh Towers will be on these An- two analytics versus athlete battling it out on the desk. We need some plexiglass here. Gonna miss to you though, buddy. I'll, I'll be back in a couple. Don't worry. Uh, thanks to Dan Shumborski for joining us from Fangraphs. Thanks to Adam Burke as always. Great job by our producer Brian Ortega. It is the look ahead up next with Greg Peterson right after this here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.